and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel as we talk Heart of Midlothian on the dedicated podcast to the biggest team in Edinburgh with me, Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by that man across the pond, Mark Donaldson. Not across the table, unfortunately, today. Um, I enjoyed that last week, so thank you for having me, but back to normal today. Yeah, it was a novelty to be face-to-face rather than such a distance away and I, I, do, I don't know if it sounded any different or if it was just just the usual. I still talk nonsense whether I'm in front of you or whether I'm the other side of the ocean. <laughs> Not at all. I'm sure listeners would very much disagree with that or at least some of them would. So another episode, um, episode two of 2019 in terms of when we're actually recording and an episode where we can actually look ahead to a match. It feels like forever since Hearts signed off 2018 with that memorable victory at Easter Road. And now the Scottish Cup is just about to get up and running this weekend when the Jambos host Livingston on Sunday afternoon in the live BBC game. We will talk about that game in a little bit, uh, but first off, Mark, I thought it would be good to run through a few of the things that we spoke about last time out. Um, Very quickly, one of the little... It was a trivia question, although you did say it didn't have to be homework in any way, was the 11 players that Hearts had signed in January back in 2006, um, which... I think I'd listed you eight at the time, and uh, Gordon Stitt very kindly messaged saying, uh, another great show, guys. Other names from January to add to the eight uh, was Mboli, the goalkeeper, um, Neil McCann, and Lee Johnson. And he did follow up and say, hands-on hearts of Midlothian. I got the final three without looking. And he even provided... Uh, <laughs> Photogra- photographic evidence of his calculations <laughs> just just like he used to in a, a maths test or exam where you had to prove that you hadn't cheated by showing that you worked it out um so gordon went that far and i believe they are all correct mark they are neil mccann was the one for me that i kind of thought oh yeah of course um uh, it wasn't quite the same as his, his first spell before he left uh to go to whatever the hell he went with um, after the, the Coca-Cola Cup final. But yeah, came back and didn't really work out second time around. But yeah, good spell. Good spell overall for, for Neil McCann. But 11 players in one January transfer window. I'm glad that, I'm glad that's not the case anymore because you've just got to start from square square one again, haven't you? And and Rice Mboli, a player yeah. who, who never appeared for Hearts yet years down the line would appear at a World Cup and would also keep a clean sheet against England, I believe. Yeah, but who knows if he was any good when we signed him. Because <laughs> um, he, he must have improved. But that was a weird season because I remember a lad called Ibrahim Tall. Now, mm. Ibrahim Tall was, was not, uh, from what I remember, was was not fancied by George Burley. Not at all, no. He was at that football club for a long time, not even getting a sniff, but he would turn up for training every day and do his thing, and ultimately was very patient. But he was a really steady player, Ibrahim Tull. But for whatever reason, George Burley, and we can't really criticise Burley because he did so well when he was there, he just didn't fancy him. Last time we also spoke about 
everyone's uh, aims, aspirations for the rest of the season and uh, minimum expectations as well. And uh, thanks to everyone for getting in touch because we've got some quite good feedback on this one. So uh, we'll start with some of them here. So Chris Canning said that uh, Mark is right, that second is swinging for the fence and he says we at least have the chance. Really hope we don't hold back and just go for it. Uh, so there is a feeling of of being quite optimistic in that sense. Uh, Ewan says can achieve second. Ames would be trip to hand and minimum would be fourth. Um, Stuart also says minimum requirement being able to play strongest team for a few games and showing potential for next season. Fourth place realistically. Hope would be second uh, or why not first and a good Scottish Cup run. So is second something that we should potentially be aiming for? Is it a case of, well, why not? I think what we need to aim for is better than where we are right now. When I listened back to last week's show, I said that if Hearts finish the season in fifth, where we are right now, then the second half of the season has not been a success. And I stand by that. I think we have to be better than fifth because there are no excuses unless we get a hell of a lot of bad luck, which we had through injuries in the first part of the season. I think the squad is going to be stronger now to be able to cope in such eventualities. So let's not kind of say, well, we should be aiming for first, second, third, fourth. We need to improve where we are. And I think realistically, uh, a third place finish is is not beyond the realms of possibility, especially with Greg Stewart leaving uh, Kilmarnock and Jordan Jones kind of head being turned by the whole Rangers pre-contract. Who knows? Uh, second is, is obtainable. Of course it is. But you've got to start by getting the points on the board early. And after the Livy game, what is it? St. Johnston. Uh, we've got Dundee in there as well uh, in the midweek. So there's there's a right opportunity for Hearts. But we don't want to be in four weeks' time going, oh my God, we've not picked up any wins at home against these teams we're expected to win. So let's not kind of get too carried away we need to finish better than fifth. I think we will. I don't think we'll get as high as second. Uh, I think third is is achievable. Mark Wells says twenty five points from the next nine league games, and he doesn't <laughs> doesn't and he doesn't doesn't see why we can't finish second. Similar to the start of the season, uh, the three games after that, uh, Dons, Hibs, and Jers can determine whether we push for first. Call me a dreamer, but why not? If a semi-final beckons with that form, it's a bonus. So I I like Mark's optimism, and why not? And to be fair, um, Mark Donaldson, we, we did start the season uh, like a freight train, and obviously the uh, train went off the, the rails, to say the least. Uh, but is this the fresh start? Can we try and recapture that incredible start to the campaign we had? Because you know, with no disrespect to many of the teams that we play, and there are some tougher games in there than than others but i would say relatively speaking the upcoming run of fixtures is kinder than many spells that we've had this campaign it is but how many times have you seen in the past where you look at your fixtures coming up and you go oh, win that well that's a, that's a good one yeah we can win that and you've suddenly got I me mean, what did the guy that got in touch with you say 25 from 27 <laughs> points I mean, the, I remember being at a press conference many years ago with Stephen Frail over the Christmas period, and he'd identified the five fixtures as very winnable and, and thought we could get 15 out of 15. I think we got three. There's always, <laughs> there's always that danger. So, as my old gran would say, just, just call Canny. Um, 
yes, we not should win them because I think that, that is being disrespectful. But if we play to our best, then I think we will win them. And we'll see where that takes us because we've got to get the cup out of the way first and, and hopefully we, we give it our full attention, which I think we will. And that can be a springboard towards the next few games. Andy Grant says, why so many now say fourth minimum? That's bull. And then he put another word after it. Uh, we are the third most supported club and the third biggest. We need to start punching above our weight. Third is the absolute minimum and a cup run. Anything else is failure. Also, fourth is not guaranteed Europe. And even uh, even though everyone at the club thinks. Um, I, th- I think maybe Andy's possibly writing off a few teams is you know if, if we're saying third i don't think it can be minimum because you know we're talking about I, I believe we are the third best supported club although there's much of a muchness when it comes to potential backing for the likes of of aberdeen especially but certainly the moment we don't have the third biggest budget it appears to be aberdeen who are ahead of us and that and aberdeen have a lot more consistency and they've become a bit more established as a top three club so whilst I think third is realistic I think it would be very harsh to say if if Craig Levine's side finished fourth and it was Aberdeen Rangers and Celtic above them that that would be failure in my opinion yeah, yeah I think I think that's fair I think if Kilmarnock finished above us then not so much questions would be asked I think it would be frustrating uh, because Hearts see themselves as a bigger club than Kilmarnock, which I think they are. I don't think there's much doubt about that. But if you go down the whole supporting teams route and average attendances and, and whatever, that, that's a dangerous place to be. I mean, Hibs don't have the eighth um, highest attendance, but they're eighth in the table. So I, I get what Andy's saying, and, and he's right to, to, to aim high. Um, ultimately, what I'm saying is we're fifth right now. We, we've got to be better than that. And it's funny, I said something three weeks ago in that the way our season has gone, if it had been the other way around, my God, we'd be going into the second half of the season. We'd be <laughs> pissed off at the winter break because it would have come at the wrong time. But it's it's worked for us. We played really well to begin with. Then we were poor. Hopefully we can be really good again. If we'd been really poor and then really good, it's just it's total perception. That's all it is. That win, I don't think we can underestimate how big that win against Hibs was because that training camp in Spain would have been such a much a much better place than had we gone into the, the winter break uh, having not won at Easter Road. Uh, Christopher Macbeth says, top four would be great. Hearts fans, for some reason, think we have a right to finish second and have high expectations. Considering where we were a few years ago, we are doing fantastic. Uh, HMFC France uh, is looking for top three and a Scottish Cup run, which we're obviously hoping starts on Sunday against Livingston. And um, Eck says, I don't see any reason why we can't finish third and have a good run in the Cup. I just want another European trip. Scott Coburn mentions, uh, we seem to have our eggs all in one basket for the forward line, or or we seemed to at the start of the season, uh, which really cost us compared with the defence where we coped with worse. So he's optimistic for the second half, uh, and given uh, not too much ground has been lost, he'd hope for third at least. And that's quite a good point, because one thing we have now is a bit of depth in attack. And although it wasn't like on paper at the start of the season we were lacking in depth in attack, but suddenly with Naismith and Uche Ikpiezu out, we, we didn't really have many options. So we're certainly in a stronger position than the start of the season. You could argue that maybe Jimmy Dunn leaving 
weakens us slightly, but we've obviously got Shognessy in, who we'd hope is kind of like for like in that sense. So I think when you look at personnel, would you say that we're we're looking at being stronger than early in that campaign, especially with the likes of Suter and Ikpiezu to come back in the next month or so? Without a doubt. Now we're better equipped to deal with issues that happen at football clubs, injuries, suspensions, misdemeanours, if such a thing was to happen. We have options as well. We spoke about this last week. Again, listening back, um, Uchi and um, Vanacek, Uchi or Vanacek, Naismith in there, McLean in there as well. I was I was thinking, I, I kind of got a little bit tongue-tied last week in, in the whole which team and players for, for the second half of the season. I was thinking about a 4-3-3 as well. There are pretty much every formation now is is an option for Hearts because I thought, wait a minute, I'm trying to push Morrison to the right in midfield in a three four one two. That ain't going to work. But why not play him wide on the right hand side? Because you can still provide width in a four three three, but that wouldn't have both Uche and Vanacek. But I think what we have now is options to play many different formations and many different players as well. So I think the squad has been strengthened. And I think it's been a good winter break, um, good time, and it's been a good transfer window for, for the Premiership as a whole. We've got some really good players into the league that I'm excited to, to see. I think we've got some coup, uh, some coups as well. I think Ross McCormack going to Motherwell is a, is a coup. Ollie mm, Burke yeah. going to Celtic. Timothy Weir, who I've seen a lot of, is a right good player. Before coming north, Ryan Gold, if, if he's back to, to the way he was, I just see a kind of sea change, a little bit of a sea change towards Scottish football because over the last five years or so, it's been a bit of a laughing stock for some um, out with the game. But I slowly see us attracting, we're never going to attract the big names at the peak of their career, but we've got Steven Gerrard, Brendan Rodgers, we've got some big names, we've got attention from south of the border. We've We've had a good transfer window so far, and it really, for me, is shaping up towards a a right good second half of the season. I'll quickly run through uh, some final bits of feedback again. Thanks to everyone for getting in touch. I really appreciate that. Um, David Forsyth says, uh, bottom six is unacceptable. Just making up numbers in top six would be disappointing. Top four would be decent considering injuries. Uh, second or third achievable. Um, top is stuff dreams are made of, especially as old firmer strengthening. Cup run would be nice. Um Feg Bissett on uh, Twitter says, third and another decent cup run, uh, if lucky enough to avoid Parkhead or Ibrox. Minimum is fourth. We have the fourth biggest wage spend and have finished significantly lower for two seasons in a row. A third season of in a row of underachieving against benchmark would require searching questions. So so quickly on that, um, you know, David saying bottom six would be unacceptable. And Feg Bissett saying that you know below fourth would would obviously uh, be underachieving against benchmarks, and I understand that as well. In terms of the searching questions that that, uh, that Feg Bissett suggests, if come the end of the season we are in a a position, you know, be that bottom six or be that fifth or sixth, what kind of searching questions do you think will be going on? And that could be, I suppose. At Craig Levine's level, it could be above Craig Levine's level. Do you think those kind of searching questions will be going on? And at what level do you think that that kind of conversation might happen? And by that conversation, I mean 
where are we going under the current management? I think if Hearts finish fifth or or, or lower, we're fifth right now. And I said, as I said that, I said the second half of the season, if we finish fifth, it would be disappointment. I think it would be a collective underachieving mm-hmm. from from everybody, from the management to the players to to everyone involved on the playing side. I think with the players that Hearts have got, I think at least they are the fourth best squad mm-hmm. in the yeah. Scottish Premiership. So anything less than that would be underachieving. But we had a rule in the Hibs podcast prior uh, prior to the game, uh, sorry, post-game, after we won, that we have no negativity in that podcast. Now, I think that's a very Scottish thing that we've just done. Now, I've been back for 11 days, and it wasn't the usual... How are you? Yeah, weather, horrible. (laughs) It was mild. There was blue skies and there was a little bit of positivity around. I had to check I was in Scotland. But we've gone down the hole. Well, if we don't finish fifth (laughs) or or higher, what's going to happen? I mean, come on. You want to open your front door, wait for a bus to come and then walk out in front of it? Because (laughs) we need to get off this, this bandwagon of negativity. My country's a bloody mess over here with Donald Trump and his fast food and his house of carbs and all sorts. Your country over there is even worse because <laughs> Theresa may or Theresa may not, but God knows what's going to happen with her. Let's try and espouse some positivity in this. And let's not go down the road of, well, what happens if we finish ninth? That would be even worse than finishing eighth. Come on, let's get some positivity. <laughs> I think we'll, we'll finish at least fifth, hopefully fourth, Maybe even higher, and who knows? But come on, let's let's just stop with the whole "oh my god, the world's going to end tomorrow" routine. I hate it. To be fair, I did ask the question: What is the minimum requirements for the season? So I mean, I'm 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 triggering these responses. Fourth, fourth okay. is the minimum requirement. Okay, that's all you had to. That's all you had to say. You didn't have to get into Donald Trump and Theresa May. <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep it topical. No, I think I think an improvement over last season. Okay. Um, is the bare minimum, but that that doesn't require much of an improvement because it'd be pretty difficult not to improve on on last season when we played the under twelves, fourth or higher. Give, I said that. Give, give, give me fourth and a European spot. I know it's not guaranteed, but if if it was, I would would I sign up for it now? Whew. I probably would. Yeah, I probably would. Okay, I tell you what, I'll. I'll put the discussion of potential searching <laughs> questions to the side, and if if we get to a point as the season goes on where we need to revisit the questions that might be asked of certain positions, then we'll revisit it. But let's hopefully we don't have to revisit it, uh, because otherwise we'll get into politics again, and we'll we'll never get to the end of the show. You are fake news. Okay, so Hearts are going to be back in action. Finally, it's only been three weeks, uh, but it feels like an eternity since Hearts, of course, ended 2018 with that 1-0 win at Easter Road thanks to the bullet left foot finish from Ollie Lee. And it's Scottish Cup action that we're going to see this coming weekend as Hearts host Livingston, and that's at Tynecastle on Sunday, moved for... TV purposes to a half past two kickoff, and 
Hearts will be looking to maintain a feel-good factor after two wins on the bounce. But they are facing a side who not only have they not scored against or earned a, a victory against this season, but they lost 5-0, and that was on the 14th of December. So, Mark, Livingston at Tynecastle. How, how are you feeling ahead of this one? I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm feeling confident. I think the players will be as well after the Hibs win. I think the training camp's gone well, and Craig Levine's had plenty of time to to work on our team, to work on our shape. We're after revenge. And I think we'll get it as well because that was a that was a thumping. I, that ain't going to happen again. But we're going to have to be professional. As I said last week, we're going to have to be physical. But I was just looking at the fixtures we've had, Laurie, since we beat Hibs 5-1 in the cup final. How unlucky have we been to have every single tie we have played, with the exception of Wraith Rovers, being against a side from the same division? I mean, it's incredible. Hibernian, Celtic, Celtic, Aberdeen, Hibs, Wraith, Hibs, Hibs, St. Johnston, <laughs> and Motherwell. That's, that's, you, you couldn't make that up. Of all the teams you could face, and a lot of those were fourth round ties, we've had Premier League sides or Premiership sides pretty much every single time in, in the first round that we play in, with the exception of, of 26 17. It's, it's unfathomable. Yeah, there was three against Hibs as well in that mm-hmm. in that time. Obviously, two of them went to replays, but there was three separate um, fixtures in that time. Fic- three draws against Hibs, so they always seem to be throwing up a derby. Because then, the year after we beat them in the cup final, we also got uh, drawn with them as well. Unfortunately, we've we've lost a few of them since then, but thankfully we won the last one. Um, yeah, you're, you're right. There's not been enough Auchinleck Talbots in the like that we've been drawn against. Gordon Smith. Is that right? It is, yeah. We made we made hard work of that one, to yeah, say the least. He scored, he scored late on, I believe, in that game. Yeah. I just the, the the whole when you play each other four times a season, and then you got to play each other maybe a fifth, and then it goes to a replay and it's a sixth. Do you remember? Was it Celtic Dundee United um, had that spell where I think they played seven times in in one season? We just want a bit of freshness. The Auchinleck game is a good example because we hadn't played them before. Yeah. I love this weekend. This, this, this weekend, the one thing I would change, I'd have a preliminary or a qualifying round before the first round so we can get back to the third round. I hate this fourth round premiership side starting. Let's get back to the whole traditional big clubs come in in round three. But Auchinleck against Ayr. So first of all, it's a wonderful tie. Mm-hmm. Second of all, they hate each other. And third, if the game is off... The rescheduled game will take place next Wednesday at one in the afternoon. What could possibly go wrong? Wednesday at one, is it? I didn't know that. Wednesday at one. If the game is off on Saturday, Wednesday, part-timers will be at work. So that will cause chaos. Fans will be at work. That will <laughs> cause chaos. A one o'clock game where what? you'll be out in the randan before. I mean, that's just nuts. Wait, why is it Why is it one o'clock midweek? Sorry, I've not seen this at all. No, no floodlights. No floodlights. Oh, they, can, they must they'd surely look at moving it, moving it somewhere else, wouldn't they? No, why? Why? Auckland don't want to give up home a home pitch advantage. There'll, there'll be four or five thousand in there. They've already sold tickets for it. But one, <laughs> one, one o'clock on a Wednesday, that's nuts. That's crazy. That's uh, What time's that for you? Uh, eight in the morning. <laughs> That's just... I mean, look, I'm sure there are Air United fans 
in America. Imagine there's a West Coast Air United fan who's going to get up at 5 o'clock on a Wednesday morning in California or whatever to watch a game. And the other thing is as well, if it's not going to go ahead this weekend, and I don't know what your forecast is like for this weekend, hopefully it does go ahead, but I believe the game's going to be live on BBC. Are BBC going to show the game live at 1 o'clock on a Wednesday? Just nuts. Scottish football, you've got to love it. Back to the game that's going to be happening oh, yes. at Tynecastle. Um, so Hearts will be missing, of course, John Suter, Anuche, Ikpiezu, but Peter Haring will also miss out as well now with his uh, uh, operation that he's finally had, the hernia problem that he's had. Um, so two games against Levy, 0-0 at Tynecastle in the league, uh, in the first league game, and then 5-0, obviously, unfortunately, last month at the Tony Macaroni. So Livingston like to play a 3-5-2, so we're anticipating that again. Now Hearts went... 4-4-2 at Tynecastle in the first meeting, and they went with a 4-4-1-1, if you want to call it that, um, at the Tony Macaroni. So they went back four for both of those games. Uh, Naismith didn't play up front in either of them. He played out wide in the first one, um, and then he obviously was missing for the second one. Now, system-wise, I suppose my big question would be after two disappointing performances and results against Livingston. Will Craig Levine be fancying a back three? Because I think after playing the back three against Hibs, I can't see him really looking to change too much like that, and it matches up like for like against Livingston. I'm going to give you the starting lineup. You ready? Oh, I'm, I'm, yes, excited about this. Doyle, mm-hmm. Smith, Ikemona, Berra, mm-hmm. Godinho, Lee, Bozanic, Jum, Garuccio, Clare, Naismith. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. It needs tweaked. Haring's out. Who came on for Haring at Easter Road? Bozanic. Just fill it up. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. I agree. Yeah. No, no point in changing. You'll have Vanacek on the bench. They won't have a clue what he's like because no one's seen him unless Livingston sent scouts over to the Czech Republic. Look, if, if Vanacek was, was playing down MacArthur Glen, they probably wouldn't have sent um, a scout to watch him. So there's no chance of that. So he'll be an unknown to come off the bench. Just plug and play, same lineup with the exception of Bozanic for, for Haring, and let's get on with it. And is, it, is this a chance to exercise those demons from, from West Lothian? Because as bad as Hearts had, as bad as the run Hearts had found themselves on, that game and that, well, that seven or eight minute spell in particular in that game really, it was really the bottom of the of the pit that we found ourselves in. Is this a chance? Do you think as professionals, those players who were out there and, and obviously were booed off by their own fans and were torn apart in a short spell against a side who, with all respect to Livingston, who have done terrifically this season, but a side which have far less resources than Hearts, will these players be going out there to prove a point and to try and, I guess, redeem themselves? I think the redemption was against Hamilton and Hibernian. Uh, this isn't Hibernian that won 5-0 and we're going out for, for revenge in our first meeting against them since. This Livingston, they'll, they'll have pride, but I mean, they'll, they'll be out to prove a point. I, I, the whole revenge thing. That, that, this it ain't going to happen again at all. And you, you, sometimes you've got you've to scrape the bottom of the barrel to be able to learn from the hard times. And I know the Aberdeen game straight afterwards wasn't the best for whatever reason. 
But if we hadn't have beaten Hamilton and we hadn't have beaten Hibernian, the key thing for me as well, Laurie, was the two clean sheets. Mm-hmm. So yeah. as much as they'll be, they'll be, let's get our own back after we we beat them. Re- revenge will not be kind of pinned on the notice board at Tynecastle or the the dressing room wall. It'll be a look. We're better than them. We know we're better than them. We didn't prove it last time. Go and prove it. Let's get through to the next round and let's kick on for a series of games that if we can build momentum, then who knows where it can take us. It is only the second Scottish Cup meeting between Heart of Midlothian and Livingston. The last meeting was February 2005, when John Robertson's Hearts won 2-1 against Livy, who were managed, you sometimes forget this, by Richard Goff. Uh, for that one. Oh my god. Um Lee Miller opened the score Lee Miller opened the scoring in the first minute. Jamie McAllister added the second and the tenth and Craig Easton pulled one back on the hour mark for Livy. It was actually a heart side I looked at the heart side in interesting a heart side that had ten Scots in it and one Lithuanian. Which um quite impressive to see that lineup. Do you think you could name the heart side from that day? Um, Gordon? Yes. Nielsen Wallace, Webster, Berry, Hartley, Simmons, McAllister, Virgil, Miller, Mickle, Eunice. Well, that, you, you spoiled the fun with that then. Well, no, <laughs> I know. I know. We could have dragged that out. but A very good I, back five. Gordon, yeah. Nielsen, Webster, Berry, Wallace. Extremely and good. And then Hartley in, Hartley in front. Jamie McAllister, we had a, a, a thing a few weeks ago. The homework was Boo Boys. He was always one that uh, he, he was never a fan's favourite of the majority. He was always someone that was easy to pick on, which was a bit harsh because he was always honest. Um, I, I hate that. I'm just when that came out of my <laughs> mouth, I thought, how derogatory is that? It's like saying to someone, I don't want, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but you know what's coming out of your mouth is going to be disrespectful. To call a professional honest, that is just horrific. I'm, I'm sorry, Jamie. I wasn't your biggest fan, but you were better than honest. There you go. There, there's there's my veiled praise. Jamie McAllister was better than honest. Uh, I I still can't I can't remember the whole Richard Goff era. I, I mean, I, of course I should because I went to interview him every week. But what a nondescript time as a manager he was. Um, they had some funky players, didn't they? Gus Bahokin. Wow. <laughs> And in, Goodness. A, a, a very interesting time because that was his only ever managerial job, wasn't it? He never did it before or don't think so. did no, it again never, afterwards. Never struck me as a, a a guy just with. I mean, as a leader of men on the pitch, yes. But I've spent some time in his company, a couple of breakfasts, um, various places, and lovely, lovely guy. And he's he's he lives over here now in in San Diego, over the other coast, but. Just not sure about him as a, a manager. Here's here's your kind of quick quiz question. Which player for Livingston that day ended up, play, or maybe was probably with Hearts before or maybe afterwards? I don't know. But w- there was a, a former Hearts player playing for Livingston that day in the starting lineup. Do you know who he was? Was it Lee Jenkinson? Nope. No. It's, it's, it, no, I'm thinking too... Do you know what the worst thing is? When I looked up this earlier, I think I glanced at the Livy lineup, and I'm sure I saw he. Oh, I'm not going to cheat, but he was at Hearts before. He was at 
he was at Hearts on loan four to five years before he was at Livingston. No, you have to tell me. Derek Lilly. That was uh, Derek Lilly. Similar sort of time to to Lee Jenkinson, wasn't it? It was kind of end of the end of the nineties. Yeah, do you know also. where we got him on loan from? Because he he was at Dundee at one point, but I think he was down was it, south was it, at the time, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, was Wigan, maybe nope. something like that. Leeds, dirty Le- Leeds. Leeds, he was at. Okay, yeah, there you okay. go. No, anyway, to- totally digressing from I, the whole Richard Goff thing. Still kind of still funny to me. <laughs> yeah, it's just just oh, Roddy McKenzie was on the bench, but he didn't start in, in the game. Um, Eric Delamo, Greg Strong. My God, these are like Scottish football the lost years. <laughs> anyway, wow. anyway, back to Hearts. So, so what are you predicting? Oh, yeah. What are you predicting this living this Livingston game? Two 0 Hearts. Who's who's going to score? Sean Clare, and I'm going to give him nine out of ten. And everyone's going to complain it's too high. And I'm just going <laughs> to switch Twitter off and retire from human being life. Um, <laughs> I, I'm in a mischievous mood today. Um, 2-0 Sean Clare will score and off the bench yeah. in the last 10 minutes Vanacek I, I was just I was just going to add I think we'll get we'll give the second goal to Vanacek off the bench to become an instant hit with the Hearts following and I suppose the next question Mark is how far can Hearts go depends on the draw it does depends on the draw because I think we'll get Elgin in the next round <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there? Um, well, it's, it's just a case of which round we're going to get Hibs. Because the way it's gone in the last few years, I just, I'd like a trip. Not for me, because it's a hell of a trip from Connecticut. But for you boys and girls, I'd like, I'd like you to get a trip to a ground and a town or a city that you don't get to go to very often. So that, that would be my wish for, for the next round. Not thinking too far ahead. Because we've obviously got to get past Livingston, but I just anybody but a Premiership side away from home against the lower league side for uh, Hearts fans to go and enjoy themselves. I remember going down to Stranraer many many years ago in a, a third round tie. That was a great trip. The Leechka hat trick. Uh, I think it was. I think it was. You know, and people stayed overnight, made a weekend of it. Uh, the Stranraer game was and who got the other goal <laughs> come can't. on don't give me the Billy Big Balls and go oh, it's a hat trick yeah <laughs> fine smart arse who got the other goal I can't remember that well you remember the Valitska hat trick well, Roman that's... Bednar okay, got there the other go. goal there you go on the 6th of January and it was bloody freezing down there but a great part of the world because most Hearts fans of a certain age those of a little bit older would have remembered back in the the horrible days um, but yeah, that that was that was good. That that's what we want. That's what John Armstrong. Who was he? An unused sub. He made one appearance for Hearts, and it was in the Scottish Cup. And it's sad that I know this without checking a thing. And it was <laughs> against Dunfermline in a one 0 defeat at East End Park when Larry Kingston made his debut. Why do you, how do you know that? And you don't know that Roman Bednar got the other goal at Stranraer. I don't know because Bednar scored quite a few goals for Hearts, but John Armstrong. I, there was a was there a David Armstrong as well? Um, Who, he had blonde hair. Who was that kid? And was he related to John Armstrong? And know. where's John Armstrong now? <laughs> he what was he doing? He, he was at Cowden Beath not long ago because he was 
part of the Cardenbeath team that got absolutely thumped 10 nil at Tynecastle. So there you go. Anyway, um, with what we're talking about, I was just thinking because we can't, there's no point in talking us who do you want in the next round because we might not be in the next round and by the time we're next on air, we will have had the next round draw. So whether it's Livingston or Hearts, it'll all be made. So what I was thinking, just what you're talking about, you know, these weird trips to Stranraer, your favourite Scottish Cup away days, maybe. To, Great question. But to non top flight teams so you're talking Ooh. something like that because i'm sure you'll get some really cool stories about going to some of these grounds with especially for i suppose fans who didn't come from the era of the terraces because i always find that a novelty because you know they've always had seats for the main uh, top flight clubs in scotland since i've been going to games so i do like a lower league trip quite often not to see hearts but just in general just i, I love the novelty of the, the terracing and the old style grounds mm. that you get so mm. favorite maybe favorite trips and why you know there's some good stories about them you know where did you visit what was what was it you liked about the ground stuff like that i i'll have a look i'll have a think about the favorite but i used to hate airdrie airdrionians we played in the third round and it was a great trip until the game took place um 1991 we went to Broomfield. Now, that was a proper old, uh, the proper old school grounds. I know we got thumped 4-0 at Falkirk, and that was horrible, but it was at Brockville. And if you're going to lose 4-0, at least lose at Brockville, not at a soulless Falkirk stadium. But Airdrie, in in and around that time, bastards. They really were. They really were. The, the semi-final in, in 92. Oh. Was, was my co-commentator playing for them? It was. Well, that was around. Now, that was around the time. Do you remember Airdrie played in the semi-final at, uh, at Tynecastle? At Tynecastle, and he ended up missing the final. I think it was at ninety-five. Does he ever talk about that? Oh, mate, you, you cannot, uh, <laughs> you cannot get him onto that. We had I had to cut, I had to come short in him because we were commentating on a game, and we, I can't remember we were talking about bookings and missing cup games and he went on a rant for about five minutes on air <laughs> um <laughs> and he's quite right he should never have been suspended um but yeah at Tynecastle as well so he missed the cup final i think against celtic in 95 mm-hmm. one of my favorite trips away from home in the scottish cup was january 1994 i was still 16 but we'd been on the bevy on the bus there i think i was with pennycook hearts Mo Johnson scored the winner in a 1-0 game. But if you remember the old Fir Hill, the terracing opposite the main stand and the big fences and, and, and whatever. Um, now, obviously, there were fences to protect uh, the two rival fans, but that didn't stop us chucking Bovril on whatever <laughs> at, uh, at the Partick fans. That was a great trip. So... A form of homework, just feedback you can give us for next time. Uh, your favourite Scottish Cup away trips. I don't know if we have to keep it to, to lower league. Uh, the reason I say that is because for younger fans, there's probably a less, a, a lot a lot less. <laughs> you don't remember it. playing lower league teams. Do you know the worst thing is, I'm trying to rack my brain for some good Scottish Cup away memories that aren't top flight teams, and I can't think of any off the top of my head. It's, no, that... and, and it's funny because... My first Scottish Cup tie was, was 1986, and it was against Rangers. It was a 3-2 win in which Sandy Clark 
and Craig Patterson, who I went on to work with for many years at Radio Fourth, clashed heads. Colin McAdam came on, scored the winner. But just looking at some of the the games and the trips before that, were you at Glebe Park in Brechin in 1985 for the one-all draw? Uh, were you at Palmerston, Queen of the South, in January 1983 for the one-all draw? Were you at East Stirlingshire, First Park, for the 4-1 win in 82? These are the types of games I would be hoping for in the next round. The, the type of games where you, you, you don't get every single week and you can look back and you can say, yeah, that, that was fun. We need a little bit of help from the draw. So if you're a little bit older and you can remember some of those, give us some of the stories from, from when you were at Queen of the South or East Stirling or Brechin or any of these teams. Capelo, 1981, the good old days. Yep, so get in touch. Uh, tweet at Around the Funnel, or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk and we'll try and get through some of those on next week's show. I think that brings us just about to the end, Mark. We've uh, covered the excitement ahead of the Scottish Cup and I'm right looking forward to it, I have to say. And it's one of these things where people often say, does the cup hold any magic? And I think south of the border, many would argue that it doesn't. The FA Cup was once seen as this the, the, the biggest or the most famous cup competition in the world. But you now see top flight teams who often see it as an inconvenience. And we see second string sides. And we've, we've even started seeing championship teams looking at it as an inconvenience and playing second string sides. I would hope that the Scottish Cup would never really get like that. And to me, it does hold a lot of magic, especially because bar two teams in the country, this is really the the biggest opportunity for the Hearts, the Aberdeens, the Hibs, Dundee United, whoever it might be, to try and lift a major bit of silverware. 100% agree with everything you've just said there. It might not be, and who cares what it means to Rangers and Celtic. Certainly to Celtic, because if they might be going for a treble-treble. Who knows? Oh, yeah. R- R- Rangers, it would be big. I think the Rangers fans, it's, it's kind of rekindled their interest in the Scottish Cup because they would love nothing more than, than to get a bit of silverware that Celtic don't get. So to that extent, they'll be keen to do well. But you're, you're spot on. And Aberdeen haven't won it since Brian Irvin scored that penalty in 1990. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just that's just in colour. Just. Mm-hmm. I mean, before that, you're talking black and white. It's been many years since since Aberdeen won the Cup. Hibernian have obviously got the, 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 the kind of monkey off their back now, having won it in 2016. St. Johnston, Dundee United. I remember I used to love um, fanzines. And that, this can be a topic for another week. Um, your memories of, of fanzines going to the football, do they still exist? Hearts had some really good ones, uh, which I used to enjoy reading. But Dundee United had one of the best, and they called it the final hurdle. Dundee United eventually, after many, many finals in which they lost, they won it. Uh, Craig Brewster scoring the goal in uh, 94, I think it was, um, and they finally got the victory. And the fanzine changed its name and added an apostrophe and the letter D. And it was simply after that the final hurdled because they'd managed to do so. <laughs> and it's ingenious, but it just it's a competition. And you're, I can't reiterate your words um, enough about the whole what it means to, to fans 
in England, it's, it's sad the way it's going because it used to be as special as anything. And I remember trying to watch some of the English build-up to the cup final and some of the things that Stevie Nicol and Paul Mariner, my colleagues at ESPN, talk about the FA Cup, it will always hold a, a place in their heart. And it annoys them what it's become because it's, it's big business, the Premier League. And unless you get Champions League spot for winning the FA Cup, which is never going to happen, then it's going to continue like this with second strings and goodness knows how many matches moved for, for TV coverage. There's still something about the Scottish Cup that, that gets you going. There's something about the draw for the next round. Even if it's an X or a Y, if your team has drawn the first game, X or Y, you've got Celtic away in the replay. You know you're going to lose, but you're still excited about the draw and who you might get in the next round in the round that you're not going to get to. Even better, you might get Rod Stewart making the draw as well. How good was that? <laughs> it's just, it's a competition I've grown up with, loved, absolutely loved. 1998. For me, and, and this is an interesting one because everyone will be different. 1998 for me was better than beating Hibs 5-1 because I never thought I would ever see Hearts win a cup. And we won it in 98. And it's the, the first of everything is always special. Don't get me wrong. May 2012 is, is something I'll never forget. And it was just magnificent. But to win it for the first time, when you think you're never going to win it, and you're up against an old firm team in the final, that, that for me, is the, my best day supporting Hearts. My second best day is the Hibs 5-1. What's the common denominator? Both in the Scottish Cup. So yeah, give us your Scottish Cup away away day memories and hopefully this season we can have many more memories made starting with a big win against Livingston on Sunday and Hearts can maybe maybe look to start closing down Queen's Park who are currently the third most successful Scottish club in the National Cup competition. But anyway, Mark, uh, thanks for joining me uh, even though it's a bit further uh, away this time and um, I'm looking forward to catching up next week. Now, Hearts... It's a bit complicated because Hearts are due to play Dundee next Wednesday, which will go ahead. However, if Hearts and Livingston draw on Sunday, then Hearts and Dundee will be cancelled and Hearts will play Livingston next midweek. But we will have a midweek game next week. That's that's for sure. So if it's OK with you, I think maybe we can try and catch up after the cup game and before that midweek game. I think by next midweek, I'll have been able to interpret and translate what you've just said. I think give me seven days to do that, and I think, <laughs> I think I'll be fine. <laughs> no idea. Uh, yes, yes, dear. I'll yes, call dear. you. I'll call you on Monday. Just be available. Uh, okay. okay. <laughs> right, we'll see you all next time.